Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Trans Questioning Podcast. I am, I guess I'll just call myself Zara from now on. That's fun. That tells you where I am. Hello, so welcome to not quite the present, but in my timeline, the podcast is released. The first two episodes are out and episode three comes out in two days. So... Hooray! That's fun. I live in a world where this thing is exists for other people. So cool. Also, for you, it's Christmas. It's two days after Christmas. But hooray! I hope the world is still around at that at that moment. <laughs> I hope you got all of the like all of the gifts and things that you really wanted, like. A race car or one of those like wooden horses on wheels that you like pull from a string or like uh, uh, a, a box of sticks. Man. Ugh. Anyway, in my timeline, it is November 20th, a Monday. I've got a math quiz in like th- two hours but I'm recording this instead of studying because that's the responsible adult thing for me to do. I'm coming at you live from my garage. So if you hear weird, breathy noises, that's because it's kind of windy outside. I put something heavy up against my garage door, but who knows if that's like actually helping. It seems to be helping a little bit, but whatever. To deal with it. So I got a whole bunch of things I want to talk about in this episode, and we'll see what we get to. But first, just a couple of personal little updates. I have been trying to grow out my hair, and it's been a futile effort because, you know, male pattern baldness. Hooray! So I kind of went the opposite direction and just shaved my head entirely. And when I did that, I was actually better able to, like, see the potential for my face as, like, a feminine thing. So that was nice. But then that kind of quickly went away because uh, the hair, man, the, like, you, you constantly hear that, like, beard shadow and facial hair in general is, like, really important to get off to pull off the feminine look and that is definitely true and that's a big thing on my priority list but having hair that you can like style that is like 90 percent of looking feminine from you know 30 yards away like i can shave my beard hair and cover it in makeup uh, i have to buy a wig to uh make my head shape seem normal for a woman but uh, to that note, I did buy a wig. It hasn't gotten here yet, but we'll see how that goes. I've never bought a wig before or anything. Um, I did a little bit of research and found a website that had them for fairly cheap, which probably isn't a great sign. But I got one anyway just to play around with it. I Probably the first one that you get should be cheap. So there we go. We'll see how I feel about that. Uh, I, I also... I mean, I'm down below 230 pounds, which I think I mentioned in a previous episode. And of course, my weight loss is not going as fast as I want it to, but that's life. That's how it goes. And I still feel, you know, fat and bloated and all of these things, even though I've lost weight. But I have started doing yoga again, which I've been trying to do for a while. So that's nice. It's nice to, I had to make myself do it. I uh, have all this stuff and I've just been in this state of like inertia where I just 
every day I think like I should start doing yoga again because I always feel so good when I do it, but it's exhausting and hard and, you know, you have to put in the effort to, to, to do it at all. So I actually... Part, part of the problem was that I had to, every time, uh, rearrange my room a little bit so I'd have room to do it. So this time, I actually just completely rearranged my room so that I don't have to do as much work to start doing yoga. I have, like, this lane now, and that definitely helped. I woke up. I did something different. I've liked waking up slowly in the past. So I make, I get up, make my coffee and I usually wake up around 8am. I make my coffee. I sit on the internet for a bit and I slowly sort of wake up with my coffee, whatever. And then I take my first Adderall of the day, like around 10. Uh, but today I decided that I was just, as soon as I woke up, like I'm going to take my Adderall. And of course, of course, I immediately felt like, Hey, I should do yoga. And I feel like I have the energy to do it. And then I did it and it was great. And now I feel good. Like hours later, it was a great way to start the morning. So I'm going to start doing that more because it's great. And now that I've started, it'll be much easier to continue. So if that's, and I didn't even do it for that long. Like there's a what, YouTube channel, uh, yoga with Adrienne, which I really like because sh- the host Adrienne, she's just really calming and she seems like kind of a cool person and not, doesn't take herself very seriously. And it's all very welcoming to like people who don't do yoga that often, uh, or people who have never done it before. And she has a whole, whole, whole bunch of like playlists of, you know, a 30 day program and, I, I, it's it's just good, you know. I I, I like the uh, there, there's sort of a weird connotation with yoga where it's like this sort of pseudo spiritual thing, and there's definitely an element of that for a lot of people. But it is on its own a very rigorous physical exercise, which it doesn't seem like it you know would be because you're just moving your body. But for somebody you know my weight uh, who has sit sat in a computer chair for ninety percent of his life. That stuff is incredibly taxing because I have very, very weak muscles trying to hold up, you know, 230 pounds of person. So it's actually a great exercise for me. And that on top of my diet, I think will accelerate my weight loss a little bit. Maybe not so much, but, you know, it's better. I, I feel I feel good because I'm doing that. Exercise is good. You should do it. But I did it for like 10 minutes. I, wa- I started a 40 minute video and I stopped at like 10 minutes because I was starting to feel kind of man. I just, eh, you know, whatever. And it, it, you don't have to do like the whole thing. You don't have to make it like this huge deal of I've got to do 50 minutes of yoga every day or I'm a failure. You know, you can do however much you feel like you don't have to make yourself physically exhausted every single day to be working out. Like you just need to do something. Some days you'll feel like going until you drop. And some days you're like, you know, I did one, one pose and now I'm, I'm over it. And that's totally fine. It's just about starting the routine and keeping with it, you know? So I thought that that would be a little bit encouraging for some people. I don't know. In media record re- recommendation, recognition, I don't know why these words are confused in my brain. In media recognition thing, there was a comic that was on Polygon.com that was why Hitman is my favorite trans video game by Carta Manier. And I don't have much to say about it, except that you should absolutely look it up and read it because it's so good. It's basically 
taking a stealth video game and being played by a trans person and, and this person sort of finding a lot of solace in being able to literally like pass as different kinds of people in public and that being the strategy of the game to like wear disguises and slip in and out of cover and then there's also the element of being caught and facing consequences and the 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 author compares that to people recognizing them as trans in public and how in the real world you kind of just have to laugh that off whereas in the game you know you get to react with violence but it's a very good very personal comic and um i i really really loved it it is again on polygon.com written by Carta Manier and it is called why hitman is my favorite trans video game i believe i didn't write down the title but i believe that's what it's called so i've been seeing a lot of debate about trans feminine privilege i don't think that's the term that's being used but that's my shorthand for it this thing where uh transphobes say uh, a trans woman isn't really a woman because you've lived most of your life up until this point as a man you've benefited from male privilege and now you become a woman and suddenly it's like oh wow you get to just step in without having suffered all of the things that we've suffered that's kind of fucked up and that's a persuasive argument on the surface because it's I think it's undeniable that uh, if, if, if a trans person has lived much of their life as a cis person, they have benefited from some amount of male privilege. If, you know, you're male to female. I know I personally have benefited a lot from male privilege. I'm not afraid of admitting that I don't have the position that I have out of, you know, pure work and, and, and devotion and whatever I've, I've lucked out in a lot of ways that probably have a lot less to do with my value as a, as a person than I'm, you know, comfortable admitting. But in thinking about how I would respond to that particular criticism, I keep coming back to this thing that has, has really been sticking out to me lately, which is the fact that in high school, especially, but I guess kind of always, even though the whole thing with with male privilege, with with being like a cishet guy going around is that you don't have to think about your place in the world. You're kind of just there and you get to be invisible, I guess. I never really felt invisible. Even when I was, a, you know, just a quote unquote normal dude, I felt like people were always watching me. I always felt wrong somehow. I never got to live this sort of like invisible lifestyle that nobody's like criticizing me or whatever. I always felt like people were criticizing me, even if there was no physical evidence of that. Now, I don't want to say that that's a universal experience. That's my experience as a closeted trans person up until now, basically. But I feel like that's probably fairly common that a person who doesn't understand their relationship to, I guess, their body or their gender feels wrong some way. And that doesn't necessarily express itself consciously. It's something that, you know, sneaks in in, in, in weird and, and unexpected ways. I had a therapy session recently, and I finally said to my therapist that, like, I'm willing to really open up about, like, gender stuff and talk about it. And at one point, while we were talking about transitioning and starting HRT and looking into like laser hair removal and stuff, he said, like, you know, I think it's really cool that you're just like jumping right in and, and going with, you know, that stuff and like just be starting transition, you know. And 
I, I paused for a while and sort of thought about that. And I was like, yeah, you know, even when I had the, the immediate realization back in August, it's like I already decided essentially that, yeah, I want to do it. Like I want to do the whole thing, maybe not surgery, but you know, the rest of it. And it never really occurred to me that that was abnormal in any way. But thinking about it, it's sort of like, I think there is, you know, a lot of doubt that comes with it. And I've been on a Discord server for trans people and sort of chatting around. And what I'm noticing is that there are a lot of young trans people like who are in their teens or very early 20s who still have to deal with family expectations and I've talked in in previous episodes about it, how much it sucks to be 28 years old and to realize you're trans. Like at that point, there's 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 not as much that you can do about your body that you can do when you're still going through hormonal changes. Like there's no really reversing stuff without like invasive surgery, which isn't to say that it's impossible. It's not. It just it's it's just more work and it's exhausting. Like when you're younger, it's much easier to pick up the social elements. Right now, like I still am really stressed thinking about learning how to put on makeup or learning how to style my hair or putting together a cute getup or whatever. But one of the benefits of realizing you're trans, you know, closer to your 30s is, you know, I'm I'm a fiscally independent adult. I don't have to worry about my family, you know? If 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 they like I'm already poor by myself, what what is my family going to do if they disown me? Like, oh no, I barely talk to them anyway. Whoa. I mean, it would make me sad, but they're not a huge part of my life. I'm not, you know, dependent on them. And then my uh, my parents are dead. And so that's a huge, huge stress point. It's just completely out of the picture. So I had this like grim realization that I thought was really funny in uh, therapy, talking to my therapist, like, you know, I think part of it is like, it's kind of an advantage to have dead parents because that's like the biggest gate for a lot of people is like, I'm so worried what my parents are going to think. My parents are fucking dead, man. I don't give a shit. <laughs> So it's like the whole thing, like that element of worrying about what other people will think is is is, is almost completely gone. I, I went through my version of that with like my friends and then everybody that I know on Facebook. But like I came out to my roommates within weeks of having that first realization. And then, you know, a month later, I came out to everybody on Facebook. And as much as this show is about, you know, the sense of reasonable doubt and trying to investigate what it means, you know, for me personally to be trans. It's, it's interesting that like that, that doubt isn't about like, should I transition or not? It's more about what is the ultimate goal? What's like the purpose of transitioning? Am I doing it because I want to just be the 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 other gender or do i want to find like a middle ground that works better for myself as a person and so it's just it's just interesting um but to to like young people who are tr- still figuring this stuff out and and do have to worry about family and everything else my my thought process just because 
you know, I'm, I'm privileged to have had a pretty welcoming family in general. You know, my process for dealing with all of that is sort of like, you know, their ideological bullshit is not more important than your comfort and, and your ability to feel like a human being. And if they can't handle you as who you feel you really are, then they don't deserve you in their life. Now, that's very easy for me to say, and I understand that it's not that simple, but it's still, I think, a worthwhile consideration that all of this, you know, the the influence that your 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 family has on your life, that your parents have on your life, it's it's limited. It's not it's not permanent. And the extent of their control over your life is up to you to an extent. And especially as you get older, you know, when you're a teenager and you're still living with them, that's it's different. But I think there definitely comes a point when you have to say to them, I'm I'm a goddamn adult. You don't get to tell me that I don't know anything about myself. And either you can accept it or you can just deal with not having a child anymore because I'm going to go and I'm going to live my life and I'm going to do it with or without you. And obviously that's a hard conversation to have. And it's an easy one for me to play out in my head because number one, both my parents are dead, but also number two, if they weren't dead and I had that conversation with them, it would, that would not be the conversation we were having. I would say like, Hey mom, I think I'm transgender. And she'd probably laugh and be like, all right, that's cool, whatever. And she would probably be like, well, do you know what you're getting into? Because women have it real hard in this world. And I'd be like, well, yeah, I, I, I definitely know that. She'd be like, yeah, I know you know that. <laughs> I don't know. I've thought about that conversation a lot. I, I do wish that, that, you know, it could, it could have it. I, I, that I could have it. Jeez. So one of the things that I've noticed about like the trans community is a a very strong identification with anime characters and furry characters. And I know me, uh, probably a lot of my openness to the possibility of like being transgender does come from the the sort of distanced orbit that I've had with the furry community. I've never engaged with it, but I've always really, really liked furry art and stuff like that. So I've been thinking about that. Like I keep, I've been finding more and more like trans people on Twitter to follow just to fill up my timeline with more of that. Um, and I keep, like everybody has like these anime girl like icons. Uh, and then there's the, are trans subreddit that is just full of memes and you know the ongoing one is this cat girl in a red sweater that's just saying like yeah, I guess I'll die and you know all of the all of the most popular memes on that subreddit are cat girls and it's so interesting and I think I, I understand it because there is a, a sort of androgyny to the anime aesthetic and there's also it's one of those things that is like it's it's so simple the way that your brain like latches on to a character a simplified like cartoon character it's very easy to read into it all of the things that like you 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 want or wish you had in yourself so it's it's really fascinating to me that this is such a a common like focal point for oneself that like you see this like idealized image of uh, a young girl and you think like that's what I wish that I could feel like and I've had that experience myself and that's gotten me thinking about growing up 
and how when I was in elementary school, I loved Sailor Moon. I knew so much about Sailor Moon. And I remember, and I, and I love like Cardcaptor Sakura, uh, all of, all of, uh, whatever anime I could find, I, I watched. I also watched a lot of Dragon Ball Z, but I feel like that came later. But yeah, like Sailor Moon and Cardcaptor Sakura and even Inuyasha, like those were, those were shows that I, I watched a lot. I guess Inuyasha was a little bit later, but anyway, I would, I remember like talking about Sailor Moon and, and, you know, going on the playground and be like, I want to be Sailor Jupiter. And everybody's like, no, we're going to be Power Rangers and be like, okay, I want to be the green one. Cause I liked green, I guess. And I remember being shamed for liking Sailor Moon. Like, ah, it's a girl's show. Why you know, that kind of like proto-masculine bullshit that children are taught that they just sort of spread because they don't know any better. And I remember feeling like genuine shame. I, I, I've always been very sensitive to these kinds of like cultural norms because I... I think like the the through line there is that I've always wanted to fit in somehow. I've always wanted to just be like a normal person, even when I didn't feel normal. So when somebody says something like, no, Sailor Moon is for girls, my immediate thought was like, oh, well, I, I guess I can't like Sailor Moon then. Oh, well. And so I would internalize this attitude. So as time went on, you know, I started thinking like, oh, I can't like Sailor Moon. I can't like Cardcaptor Sakura. I, I, you know, I've got to like Dragon Ball Z. I've got to like all of these like cool like fight stuff. And I genuinely did like those things. To be clear, I didn't feel like, man, this is boring. Like, no, Dragon Ball Z was was my shit. But still, I felt like I couldn't let myself like those things. These like, you know, shoujo animes. Animes, dear God. Anyway, as time went on, you know, getting into high school, it was the same sort of thing where I remember watching Inuyasha for a while and liking it. And then it became popular to kind of shit on Inuyasha. And I remember there being a it would have been a Newgrounds video because YouTube wasn't a thing yet. But I remember there being a Newgrounds video where somebody said, I liked Inuyasha better when it was called Dragon Ball Z, something like that. But yeah, once it became popular to shit on Inuyasha and call it because it was, you know, a girl's show, then I, you know, turned on Inuyasha and like, yeah, yeah, it's just a dumb girl anime. And that, that, that attitude sort of persisted up until very, very recently. I have like this internal, like, aversion to girly things because I always felt like shamed for liking them. And so I internalized that. It's like, oh, I can't, I can't let myself like these things. And so I, I, what's interesting is that like, I never, I didn't really replace those things with like other media. I just sort of, it's like, it's not like I, 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 I felt bad for liking certain types of anime. So I, you know, replaced it with other anime. I guess, I guess in high school, I kind of did. I, I kind of just watched a lot of anime at the time, but I stopped when I came to like being in my early twenties because I don't know, I felt like a, a pressure that, you know, it's not cool to to like anime and it, it probably isn't. I don't know. But also that it wasn't appropriate for someone who looks like me, which is so stupid. It's so dumb. I don't know. There's just this this feeling like 
uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. It's so it's just so it's just so weird that well, it's not weird. It's dumb and it's bad. This 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 peer pressure that you don't realize how much weight other people's words carry. You don't you don't realize how much your own words carry. Like just something as innocuous as ugh. Inuyasha, that's a girl's show. Like, that's an innocent thing. And I mean, it is a shoujo anime. Like, that's, it is technically a show for girls. But there's this implication that, like, because it's a show for girls, not only as a boy can you not like it, you also become less of a boy for liking it. Like, it's somehow an assault on your identity, your standing in society to like this thing. And I felt the pressure of that, like policing my entire life. And I think that's a, a, a big contributing factor to why it took me so long. And, and you know, in, in this process of trying to work my, my courage up to start transitioning, I, I have this like deep fear of expressing myself in a more feminine way because I still have this like knee jerk feeling of like, that's silly. That's, that's, you know, girly and that's, which, which equates to that's bad, you know, and it's like insulting to me somehow to, 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 to dress this way or to act this way. And, you know, I still like succumb to this, like, oh, you're just a guy in a dress thing or whatever. And a friend of mine, when I came out to her, she was like, oh, that's great. We should like get really dolled up and go to a club and dance um, and that's definitely not my scene, like even in the best of times, but also like just the thought of like going out in public in like a really like feminine attire type thing like that scares the shit out of me. And I don't, I don't, I don't really know how to get over that except to just start doing it, I guess. <laughs> but like, I want, I want that transition period to be smooth. And that's why I've got like this really frustrating, hard limit on myself where I have to lose more weight first, but it just sucks, you know? And so the, the, the upshot of that is that I've actually started letting myself enjoy anime more earlier this year. Everybody in my house, like we watched Yuri on Ice and that, you know, it's great. It's a great anime, but I had this sort of weird experience. Like, I feel like I shouldn't like this thing because it's, you know, really sappy and whatever, but it, it eventually I sort of overcame that and was like, no, but this is just really sweet and nice and there's nothing wrong with that. And so now I've started dipping more into that world of things. And I realized like, oh, I really, I really like this sort of like pleasant emotional kind of interpersonal drama stuff. I'm, I'm really bored of the big fights and the big like grrr, action type things. M one of my roommates is, is going through watching Supernatural and I keep walking in and watching random episodes with her and people die every episode, like gruesome deaths. And there's always like crying and sobbing and, and it's, it's really tragic. And like every single episode across like the six seasons that she's, she's gone through so far that I've just occasionally watched like just walking in randomly every single episode, somebody has died horribly. And it's like, it's, it's really exhausting to, to, to have like this, 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 really tough emotional trauma that's just treated like window dressing for the arc of an episode. Like people just die all the time and it's ugh, sad. And I, 
you know, I'm I'm feeling that way about a lot of things. Uh, Stephen Sondheim, I think, has like an interactive TV show called something. I can't remember what it's called. I think this is who did, did this, but it's it's gotten a lot of buzz for being a really cool like interactive thing. But watching the trailer for it, it's like, oh, good. So it's another story about a, a girl who's murdered and they have to solve the murder. I'm just, and I'm just so done with that premise. It's so sad. I like the first episode of The Killing is this heart wrenching thing that's like, let's watch this family just crumble in the wake of the death of their teenage daughter. Let's see this whole community just like melt down. And there are so many dramas that are just built on the same thing of like, let's just make pornography of human suffering. And it's so exhausting. And and there's some really, really, really good shows that, that, that are built on that premise. Like, obviously, Twin Peaks is, is an early progenitor of, of that. And then uh, The Fall on Netflix is an incredible show that it really does a great job of exploring violence against women. And that that show, I think, gets a pass for that because it is about misogyny and the patriarchy and violence against women on a systemic level and like how the media covers it and how we react to people. And it's also about like sexism in the workplace and expect expectations of women in a professional environment. It's just like, it's all about that. So that makes sense. But there are so many shows that treat violence against people as just the thing that you use for simple drama and I, you know, when you look at it from a plot perspective, like if you if you pick apart, I haven't done any research on this, so I don't know if this is true. But I imagine if you looked at the vast, you know, history of Law and Order shows or CSI or any of those, you know, you have your murder of the week that has to get solved. I would wager that at least eighty percent of the victims are women. And I've been thinking about like why is that? So if a woman is murdered. It's tragic because, you know, she's a helpless woman. Oh, she was innocent. What's what was she going to do? She couldn't fight back. Oh, no, she got murdered by some evil guy. If a guy gets murdered, it's got to be like this. Well, how how did he let himself get killed? This doesn't make any sense. And it. It it, it it very rarely comes down to them being like a, a an actual victim. It's it's usually like, oh, his wife caught him cheating, so he uh, th- she she killed him, or or he was effeminate in some way, and that's what made him weak and vulnerable, or you know he was so. It's just like there there has to be like some sort of excuse, and there's something about like. In, in these shows where you have like these these artistically posed corpses, like if you think of True Detective or Hannibal, these are almost always women put in these like, incredible poses. And I think I wrote in a video that I never released uh, this idea of like you think of the first corpse that you see in the first season of True Detective that that woman like strapped to the tree with all of like the deer antlers and stuff. Imagine if that had been a guy. It's like you pan around the corner and you see this body and it's a woman and it's like, oh my God, it's so shocking. But if it was a guy in that same position, the camera would pan around and it would be like, like a laugh track would need to go. Like it's, it's, there's something like just like absurd about a male body being like posed in this artistic way. Cause there's, 
instead of like the naked body of a woman being this like vulnerable expression of you know pure beauty or whatever like the naked male body is like a laughable like flabby thing that that's you know oh, what what are you doing up there man what's the deal that's dumb what this, this uh, what's being expressed here i don't know and it's like this is just this deeply sexist like cultural knee-jerk reaction so all of that to say you know the vast majority of violence on television is violence against women because violence against men you know it's uh it's like oh he's he sacrificed himself or he was effeminate in some way or he he did something wrong and deserved it whereas violence against women it's like it's never really their fault and so it's always tragic and so it's always like manipulating you emotionally and it's just so exhausting I'm so sick of seeing women die on television and in movies. It's just, it's so, it's become like a screenwriting cliche. It's like we need some sort of drama. So, all right, let's just find a woman and kill her. That'll be a good way to get emotional reactions out of people. And that's something that I've been thinking a lot about with like my own, like these novels that I'm working on is, you know, I used to have that same sort of thing of like, people got to die a lot for for your story but now i'm at this place like how do you tell a story where death is not something that 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 is required for the drama for there to be like some sort of emotional stakes i think you know in american popular fiction death is this really misunderstood thing that is just like an easy way to, to to grab drama and it's like the quickest way to make like a show that's going to get big ratings or a story that's that's you know going to grab the critics attention and really it devalues human life to some extent and it devalues the weight of death because really it it, it is this incredibly slow never-ending process grief that you're always remembering things and forgetting things and countless details like trigger your memories and the person that died like never leaves you and it's just really frustrating that so much media is just about death without really exploring what death means like a, a person dies one episode and then they're just gone and it's like no eh, you know whatever you move on but you don't move on nobody ever really moves on it, 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 yeah and then from a from a transgender perspective you know so many of the stories about trans people is about violence against trans people and those stories definitely need to be told because that is a huge problem most there's so much violence against trans people in this country but is it, but there's also just like this incredible lack of stories about just trans people being people and i think that's why like sensei is such a refreshing show because like jamie clayton and that she's just you know a trans hacker and in the first season there's a lot of like her family you know, wanting to lobotomize her because she's trans and because she's a sensate. But it's also like her being trans, while it's a, it's a part of her character, it's not like the only thing about her. And she's, you know, a, n- a normal person in a relationship and like a healthy relationship. And, you know, the same thing goes for like LGBT stories in general. Like it's so hard to find them without it being like this, this, this existential drama or this 
just 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 heart wrenching like you know people destroy each other people die you know the brokeback mountain thing and uh there's there's a movie called weekend that was like a really eye-opening one for me which was just a movie about two guys having a fling and you know falling for each other more than they were expecting and it's just a nice movie and it's you know and it's really dramatic there's a lot of great conversations that happen in it. And it's like a, it's a, it's a complex movie. I've watched it a couple of times, but it's not about death and it's not about like hatred or violence or anything. It's just about two people working out their relationship. And that's all you need, man. That's a great script. That's a great story. I think that's part of the attraction to a lot of like shoujo anime and manga is these stories are about, you know, just people. There's not as much death involved. It's more about like how how people relate to each other. And it's frequently like espousing, you know, positive values, you know? It's like friendship is awesome and, you know, not talking to each other is is a cause of personal problems and, you know, they 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 make these grand like power metaphors out of learning to be a better person. Just today I got in the mail a manga that uh, I saw recommended on Polygon uh, and uh, it seems super cool. It's called My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness and it just arrived and I'm super excited to read it and it just seems like it's just, you know, a, 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 a lesbian story. <laughs> and that's great. You know, there's there's a real lack of it, of that. And, and I mean, the same is same sort of thing as like in the furry community where so many of, of those narratives are just about like, I mean, so much of what being furry is about is being comfortable with like an image of yourself. Like, I don't really like this boring human personage. Here's like this amazing fox that can like climb walls and do backflips and like run across fields and do all of these amazing things. And that's like, that's, you know, I wish I could be that. And, you know, that's not what it is for everybody or necessarily even most people, but it's still like, it's, an, it's just like, a, it's just like a nice fantasy. It's not, you know, it's, it's not this horrible world that we live in or this dumb media landscape we've forced ourselves into. And so I guess I've been trying to delve more into that because I'm increasingly getting exhausted with all of this media that's about death and destruction and everything. And we live in this like golden age of television but game of thrones is just this exhausting display of violence against people for no other reason than because ah the world is hard and it's not artfully done it's just boring and bland and blech and it's like that with everything even westworld which i really like is like that like everything is just so so damn tiring so i'm gonna give sailor moon a chance i'm gonna give inuyasha a chance i'm going back I'm I'm dipping my toes back in. I'm taking my I'm taking my my childhood back, man. There's a thing that you see repeated a lot that part of coming out as trans in your teens is uh or sorry, just sort of part of coming out in tra- as trans uh, as uh, it, it, later in life is going back to the way that you wish you could have been in high school, sort of like reliving all of the time of your life that you've been in the closet. And that's, it's really funny how true that is, but it's like, yeah, you know, I keep coming back to this moment in high school when I sort of closed the door on myself and wouldn't let me 
explore any of the things that I, I really wanted to. So now I'm like back there and you know, that's where my style is. That's where I'm getting all of my, like my, 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 my feelings about myself. So yeah, I'm taking it back, man. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get into magical girls. <laughs> Oh yeah. And it's also like, you know, musicals are the same way. Like I really liked musicals for a long time. And then I felt shame for, for liking them because, you know, I was a drama kid and there was the thing of like, uh, you drama kids, like musicals, oh, they're all gay or whatever. And so I was like, oh, I, oh, I don't now I, not, not only can I not like musicals, I can't like, I can't be a drama kid either. And you know, I dropped out of the drama program and Ugh, peer pressure, man. It just ruins everything. It sucks. It sucks. Well, anyway, I hope that you had a fantastic Christmas. I hope that you got all the things you wanted and that you gave all the things that your friends wanted to them, that you got to hang out with family and that, or your friends or whatever your family is, you know, not necessarily by blood. I hope you just, I hope you had a good time, got away from this, this world for a while and just got to eat good food and Get drunk, maybe, and, uh, you know, just hang out for a while. And I hope that you don't put too much pressure on yourself to uh, become a better person in the new year. We're all going to do a little bit better. We always do, even if it doesn't look that way. I know I have a lot of goals for the new year. I'm I'm going to start laser hair removal. I mean, I'm probably going to start it in December, but by the time you hear about it, it will be in the new year. And, you know, I plan on starting hormones in the new year it's it's really kind of amazing to think like a year from now i i will be a completely different person and and it doesn't feel unrealistic to expect that you know I, and I, and i've stuck with my like my diet my 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 personal like regimen uh now longer than at any other point in my entire life so that to me is like the biggest indicator that i'm not just making this up which you know i'm way past that now but it still sort of like comes up where there were days that i you know don't feel so hype about it but 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 that to me is like i'm finally bettering myself physically and emotionally not because of what like society expects of me not because like i need to lose weight so i can look better i'm doing it because it's what i want i'm doing it because what i need for my mental health and 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 for like my ability to, to to proceed as a human being going forward so that's my those are my new year resolutions um keep losing weight hopefully i drop below 200 before summer which i think is realistic i i, I hope that i will have my beard mostly lasered off by march and sometime after that i hope to start hormones we'll see how that goes huh yeesh So on a last note, uh, I mentioned earlier in this episode that the podcast has an official email and Twitter account. Well, I didn't mention the Twitter, but it also has an official Twitter account. So the email is transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions or thoughts or your own experiences that you want to share, please email them. Also, the official Twitter is at transqpodcast, all one word again. I also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash LTAS. If you like what I do here, 
if you've found some sort of value in this in this hour of, of me talking at you, please go to my Patreon and uh, maybe throw me a couple of bucks. I really want to do this in my YouTube show for a living, and it would really, you know, really, really help me. Even a dollar or two helps. And then there are fun little rewards for more money, which you can see over there at patreon.com slash L-T-A-S. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a pleasant holiday season and a great new year and i'll see you again in the very near future maybe i'll have caught up with the present who knows see you then